another edition of Through the Spoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Miami Hurricanes are back in action this week, so we are back on our regular regular schedule here at Through the Smoke. Uh, for this Tuesday pod, I kind of wanted to do just a mailbag episode, so asked the message board for some questions and, and tried to pick out what I found the most interesting questions to be in. So we're going to have some fun with that here, Gabby, in this episode. Um, again, Miami's back back in action this week. ACC play is on deck for the Hurricanes. Eight ACC games in eight weeks. They begin this week uh, by hosting Georgia Tech at Hard Rock Stadium. Eight o'clock kickoff, ACC Network Television and it will be a Miami Knights uniform color scheme, Gabby. I know you're you're a uniform guy. I am a uniform guy. What are your thoughts on the Miami Knights? Yeah, so I think I've come around on them. I think when, when I first saw them last year, I was kind of like, uh, like these are just whatever. But I think I've come around. Uh, I think the helmets are really sweet. Uh, I I think that it's it's nice and detailed. It's I don't think it's my favorite of the Miami Knights series. But, you know, I, I think I can get on board uh, on board with it. I think, you know, blackout night game, I think it's going to look nice on the field. So uh, I'm, I'm cool with it. And I, I am a big uniform guy. So I think that's a that's a good, uh, I don't know, stamp of approval for me. It's cool to uh, cool to switch it up every now and then. And players definitely like the all black uniforms. So um, we will see how they perform perform in these uniforms. Uh on Saturday night. But let's get into some of the questions here, Gabby. And the first question we will address comes from Shirtless Sheriff, who asks, this may be more a question for Gabby, but can you rank the following recruits one through five on who we have the best chance with? He listed these recruits because he believes these may be the top five recruits on the board for the staff. I think that's up for debate, right? We're not going to necessarily sure. totally agree with that, but I think he comes up with a good list of five here. And the list is a five-star wide receiver, Jeremiah Smith, uh, Ellis Robinson, the five-star cornerback at IMG Academy, Aiden Breland, the five-star defensive tackle at a matter day in Southern Cal, Ryan Wingo, the five-star wide receiver in St. Louis, Missouri, and LJ McCray, who do we have him as a five star yet, Gabby? It seems like he's I don't think so. Way. He's Top like a borderline. Yeah, I think we have him, we had him at thirty seven. Uh, okay, and so I, I think when they update these rankings soon, I'm guessing they're I think they're doing it in the next. I don't know when they're doing it, but I think it's soon. I think I think he'll probably be a five by then. Seems to be trending in that direction. So right. those are the five. Um, again, the question is: rank the following recruits one through five on who Miami has the best chance with. So definitely a tough question to answer. And, yeah, and of sure. course, number one doesn't necessarily mean he's a lock for Miami. So we'll just keep that in mind. And and obviously things change here. It is early October. But I think the snapshot is a fun exercise right now uh, to, to kind of let the fan base know maybe what the vibes are with these five guys at this time. So how would you rank it, Gabby? Yeah, I guess uh, one being like, I guess, most likely or however, yeah. we're kind of dialing it up. Uh, I, I At one, I, I went with LJ McCray. 
uh, you know, the again, floor, uh, in state kid. Uh, I think, uh, you know, when David Stone kind of committed to Oklahoma, I, I think he kind of automatically kind of emerged as like the dude. Uh, so I, I threw LJ McCray one, and you know, I, I think that there's been some positive uh feedback there again. I think they feel like they kind of have a seat at the table. Uh, so I went with LJ McCray one, uh, the, two. I, go, the, go, go ahead, we can do one the, at a time. The competition there would be Florida and Georgia, right? Is that, and I know Florida State's in there too. Yeah, Auburn's in there too. He he just visited Auburn. Uh, I, I don't really know where Auburn kind of stacks into this whole kind of mix, but uh, I, I do think that like you know it, it's it's Florida, Georgia, Florida and Georgia have been the two teams linked to him most. Uh, with Florida State kind of in there, Miami kind of in there as well, Auburn as well. Um, but I, I do think Miami's in this one more than they than I think people give them credit for. I, I think just nationally, again, I think that there is very, I, I think there's absolutely confidence that uh, they're in the mix to land a commitment, uh, you know, from those guys in Miami. And I, and I think it's important to realize to also, again, reiterate how important that defensive line position is this recruiting cycle and how much that they've kind of zeroed and, and focused on it. So when it comes to these top tier defensive linemen, I feel like they're just going to get one of them. I, I just feel like they're just, it's, it's, I mean, I think they're just going to eventually land one of these guys. And uh, I think LG McCray is a, a good candidate to potentially be that one. Do you think the, the no official visit thing is a hurdle for Miami to have to clear? What do you mean? Or I guess he did take an official visit. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he took okay. an official visit in June. He just has, he, I think he's just he one, one more, one more in-season visit and it's to go, okay. I think it's going to Florida state. Uh, so yeah, I mean, how does that like in-season visit change things up? But uh, I think he's being really diligent about his process, and uh, again, I think Miami's given him a lot to think about. So I absolutely think Miami's really, like, really very much in in the thick of that one. Number two, who do you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with Aiden Breeland. Uh, kind of similar line of thinking. He's making a commitment. Uh, relatively soon, I think October eighth. So uh, within the next week or so. And uh, look, uh, Miami, uh, for, I mean, first day, Mario Cristobal and these guys hit the road uh, last Monday, went out to the West Coast. Again, I think we can kind of piece together what that West trip, West Coast trip was primarily for. And look, I don't think Miami would have exhausted those efforts if they didn't feel like they did not have a shot in that recruitment. Um, I, I think I think Miami, uh, you know, making those efforts to go see Aiden Breeland out in Southern California, I think is telling about where I, and that's the feedback I got. Right. This I'm not just like making this up like we, they wouldn't have sent Mario Cristobal right. out to Southern California if they thought that they were just a hat on the table. You know, so again, I, I think it's telling about where Miami believes they are. Uh, and, you know, I've written this. I, they, again, I think Miami internally feels like Oregon and like it's Oregon and them. Obviously, Georgia is a factor in this too. And they've done an extremely good job of stacking talent at defensive tackle. They have another really strong class there now. We'll see where this thing goes. Uh, but I think Miami is going to just, again, kind of push to the very end here, trying to to get Aiden Breeland on board. I would personally maybe lean Oregon right now. I think that's where I think even Miami kind of felt like he was going. But I think they felt like they made up a lot of ground. And again, we'll see where it goes. But I think Miami's absolutely in that one. You feel like maybe coming out of the summer or in those summer visit months, maybe Georgia was the team to beat. And since then Miami and Oregon have kind of chipped away and maybe even surpassed Georgia. Is that fair to say? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think Georgia was really, cause like, let's remember back to like the spring game, right? When Aiden Breeland came down for the spring game, I mean, he basically had like a cup of coffee down here and then yeah. he had like a bag that he was like walking around with. He, he watched Miami spring game and then he got on a plane like that, not like late that night or like early the next morning and watched Georgia spring game. 
uh, the next day. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to kind of say, you know, even going into the summer that Georgia was a school that Aiden Breland was really, really feeling. And maybe he still is like he did. I think it's right. the only game day visit he's taken uh, from what I've understood, from what I've read. I, maybe I missed a trip to Oregon, but it was on his bye week. He went with with a teammate, Nate Frazier, who's committed over there. Uh, maybe it was kind of like a convenience thing. Who knows what the situation was that it was just maybe easier for him to get to Georgia because there was already kind of a path for him to get there. Again, I don't, I don't know, but um, you know, again, I, I do feel just all the the feedback I've gotten is just kind of Miami and Oregon right now. We'll see. Maybe it's may, right. maybe it's not that way at all. He maybe he ends up at Georgia, which I don't think would surprise a lot of people because I think now you know just even just checking in like within the network, uh, it does seem like people aren't writing off Georgia at all. Uh, so we'll see which way this one falls. But look, I, I can truthfully see it going Miami's way. I think we just have to see how these next days play out. And look, I, I get we, we've kind of done this whole song and dance before a few times. But I mean, I think the reality is, is that these guys kind of grind till the very, very end to try right. to make something happen. So let's just kind of see where it goes. So that commitment uh, is going to happen on October 14th. So oh, October 14th. OK. In terms of, you know, there's a lot of time left with For these sure big profile announcements and as we know gabby these things flip-flop multiple times over the final i don't know 72 48 hours so um deadlines get results and there's a long way to go till the deadline um number three where do you go I'm going with Ellis Robinson the cornerback out of IMG Academy committed to the Georgia Bulldogs um, I look, I, I just think Ellis, I, I think Ellis, I, I honestly considered moving Ellis up the list, like trying to slide him into one of those top spots. I think that he could be a candidate, uh, just because and look, I'm not saying Miami's going to flip him or anything like that, but what I do truthfully believe is that Ellis Robinson, like really like loves Miami. I think he loves the city of Miami. Uh, I think he likes what, you know, living in Miami during his college years would, would just kind of do for him. I think he, he likes this. He trained when he, he had a bye week um i guess it was last weekend and he came down to miami to train with the gold feet global guy who works with like the raw uh the miami raw seven on seven organization who he also plays with like he spent a ton of time in miami again i think he just likes it here uh we'll see where it goes i think miami has to give him a reason i think they are giving him reasons to this point i think they still need to continue to stack and stack and stack and elevate but i think at the end of the day when it's time to kind of just like kind of you know leave it all on the table where where are we actually going uh you know again i, I think miami is going to be a serious legitimate thought in his mind uh i think he's going to get to a game at hard rock stadium this fall uh i, I mean i i've heard the clemson game is a is a very real possibility for ellis mm-hmm. robinson i think if he shows up then miami has a good performance i think that that could definitely go a long way so uh let, let let's see where things kind of go with ellis robinson and and miami over the next few months number four I would Jeremiah Smith, uh, local five-star wide receiver, uh, you know, obviously deeper on the list than I think I, I think any either of us would like. But look, I, I just think that this is a I, I what I do think is that he's doing his homework. I think it's clear he's looking around, he's giving people uh, a chance. He's gonna be at Miami this weekend for Georgia Tech. That's something he told me after uh his team beat Central a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I think he genuinely likes Miami's offense and everything he kind of heard from Miami to this point. He says that they have been honest and truthful and what they said they were going to do, they have done. Uh, I think he's giving Florida State a real look. I think he's giving Florida a real look. Um, 
and he's still committed to Ohio State. And look, you kind of hear both sides like, oh, he actually is kind of genuinely open. And then you kind of hear other things where it's like, you know, he's going to Ohio State, like he's going to Ohio State. So I think it's just where do you depends. stand on that? I don't know. I, I don't know, because I feel like everything he kind of says I think everything he says publicly leads you to believe that he's like actually because I mean why do all this like why right why, why go through this I think his actions pro- show it yeah too. exactly his actions show that he is looking around but I think people just feel like ultimately at the end of the day he's just gonna he's doing all this and he's just gonna go to Ohio State which is fine which is I think it's that's very right. a very very real possibility as well I think that's probably the most the more likely situation considering he is committed to Ohio State um but i I just i don't know like i just don't know which way it's gonna go like i feel like there's just too much uncertainty there and i don't know how much of this is just like yeah you know i like you but like kind of like thanks but no thanks um so that i guess that's just where i'm at it's just like what are you gonna do like you're obviously he's treating his recruitment like he's not committed which is totally fine but um you know again like like is miami gonna be able to actually do it and i think that's probably why i put jeremiah uh, smith fourth but again we'll we'll see how things kind of go of the in-state schools, who do you think is in the best standing for him? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think it's probably Miami or Florida State. Again, I think it's depending who you ask. Like, I I, th- I think he genuinely likes Florida State. Like, I really do. I think he's Same. shown – I think he's shown that he likes Florida too. Like, I think he's given Florida as good of a look as he's given anybody else. Um, I think Miami's just been kind of, like, maybe easier for him to get to. So, he'll kind of just, like, pop in for – maybe smaller events like random weekends instead of just like maybe at those schools he's going to like bigger recruiting events or game days or things like that where it's just kind of more public but Miami's kind of done the thing where it's like hey come spend two straight days here and no one's really going to find out until like the very end of it type of stuff um and so I, I I do think Florida State he really likes I would probably put Miami second on that list Florida third I don't know if like maybe I'm just like making that up but that's just kind of like my that's read the on- sense I have to yeah um, but yeah it's very tight and close i think it's all, all super tight so i don't know which um, way it's gonna go it seems like he might be visiting this weekend too correct yeah jeremiah smith yeah he's coming for the Georgia Checking tech out game. game yeah he's well he's gonna watch george tech in here and then fifth ryan wingo yeah ryan wingo um you know kevin beard was up in st louis on friday night uh watching ryan wingo play i don't think his team played very well um like i think they lost pretty badly to uh, Desmet, which is like another Jesuit school there in, in the St. Louis area. But I just like, I just feel like he's going to go to Missouri or Texas. Uh, we'll again, I think it's another one where it's just like, like you kind of need to get back down here to show me that you're kind of like legitimately interested. And I feel like Miami's always a school. It's kind of just like tossed out there as a school that Ryan Wingo's interested in. Um, but I don't, I mean, he didn't take an official visit. He hasn't been back since he took that, like, uh, you know, two, three day unofficial visit, uh, I think at the end of spring. Uh, so I, I want to see Ryan Wingo get back. You know, I just don't think that he's kind of displayed that like, you know, reciprocated interest. So um, I'm definitely not holding my breath there. Uh, I'm not sure where Ryan Wingo stands in this whole, uh, you know, from his perspective, I think Miami loves him, covets him plenty. Uh, but I just, I, it has to be, it has to go both ways. And I don't think Ryan Wingo's kind of expressed, um, you know, maybe that interest from his end, uh, at least as far, at least to this point, again, there's still time and he could still easily get back for a game. Or maybe, and I know the plan was always like a December official visit, like even like in the summer, uh, like Miami kind of wanted to be clo- as close to last as possible as far as those visits go. Um, and I, so again, I think it would make sense that there wasn't a summer or, you know, in-season official and Miami doesn't want to do in-season official visits. So I guess 
to all that to say, let's see if he shows up in December. Um, yeah. Or if he plans to kind of follow through with that December visit. And if he does, I think that would be a really good sign. Let's say you can only land one of these guys, Gabby Arutia. Wow. Okay. Which one of those guys would you pick to land for Miami? Yeah, it's tough. I would probably go with Jeremiah Smith just because of what it means. Like, I think that landing Jeremiah Smith would just kind of, I guess it's just like locally. And it's, I mean, you obviously want to be a national kind of organization, but I mean, I, I just think he's just one of the most unreal football players that I've been able to watch. Uh, obviously, I haven't been doing this a long time, but I just can't imagine seeing a wide receiver of his caliber, especially here in South Florida again, uh, just because I just think he's so unreal. Um, I think based on need, like maybe that's not where you particularly need to go. I'll maybe well, go Aiden Breeland. Yeah. Like but- on the composite, he is the number one player in the country. And I think there's something to be said for that. For sure. Right. For sure. I, I would I would honestly go Jeremiah Smith, but like I think I could make an argument for like an Aiden Breeland in my head. But I think if it's just like got to pick one, like got to do it. I mean, I'm, I think I'm going Jeremiah Smith and just run, running with it. I would, I would do the same. I think again, he's the number one player in the composite. You combine Mario Cristobal's ability to win the line of scrimmage with Jeremiah's ability to win on the outside and elevate quarterback play with with his, you know, uh, playmaking ability as a wide receiver. That's how you have a dynamic offense. What if what if I gave you two guys? You could pick two of those five. Who you going with? Jeremiah Smith and um Jeremiah Smith and man, I might go. This is this is tough. I would go Ellis. I uh, mean, that's who I'm having. That's who I'm having the debate with in my head. Is like, do I go Ellis or do I go Aiden? Because Ellis, and I know we've talked about this, David, and I, I want to take like this is obviously no, go your, for it. No, like I like it's true. Like what you've said, like taking Ellis Robinson is almost like landing like a transfer cornerback. Like it's yeah. like you Same have with Jeremiah. Inst- yeah, plug you have play. an inst- you have plug and play starter. Like Ellis Robinson's a day one guy. Jeremiah Smith's a, a day one guy, and um, I think both those guys will be ready to go. Both both are probably going to be January kids, I'd imagine. Like early enrollees. Like by the time this like this time next year, both those guys are going to be ready to roll. So, but I, I do think there's an argument for Aiden Breland. Like I think Aiden Breland's like a total freak. And obviously that defensive tackle room needs just like one of those types of dudes. But I think they you can do. make an argument that the cornerback room needs one of those types of dudes as well. Um, right. So I, I think it'd be a legit argument, uh, you know, for either one of those guys for me personally right now. Right. I get that too. And I, I understand like this class, they want it to be the defensive tackle class and that's important. Like, you know, outside of quarterback, that's probably the hardest position to land dudes at. Um, but again, Jeremiah Smith, number one player in the country, according to the composite Ellis Robinson, number three player in the country, according to the p- composite. Wow. I, I think you land those two guys and you don't need to address those positions in the portal. Then I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Um, you know, the other guys, of course, are very good. Heavy at tackle. Yeah. I mean, again, that doesn't mean they don't get Aiden Breland. I'm right, just saying, right, right. uh, if I was, had my pick, that's what I would do. Um, so yeah, it, it is interesting though. Cause I, I think Aiden Breland's big time. I think LJ McRae's big time. And those guys would mean a lot for the future, but in terms of what they would mean immediately, uh, I think you get better value with Jeremiah Smith and Ellis Robinson being essentially three-year starters. Yeah, right away. 
Um, so I think there's something to be said for that. Attention business owners. Have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Lucerino Furdock PLLC. Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a meticulous assessment of your filing, ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no ridiculous or hidden fees. They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme. Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Musarino Furdock, PLLC, at 1 800 123 4567 or visit musarinofurdock.com. That's M U C E R I N O F U R D O C K.com. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Next question comes from Tags305. Now that we have some tape, so through these first four games, I assume they mean, what position do you see Miami attacking the portal most? Yeah, I I, I think, I mean, I, I think it just depends like which way you want to go with this because like, I think, I think you're safety watching is going to be yeah safety exactly. It's like is it is it based on need or is it based like okay we do this so well that we're going to attract someone really good like we can go get a dude at this position. Like I think you can make an argument that like if you're a wide receiver, like Miami has kind of some ammo to go out and get like a top tier wide receiver in this offense because right. they're gonna they're gonna go out and they're gonna spin the ball and they're clearly pushing it downfield all that stuff. Um, I think if you're a quarterback, shoot Tyler Van Dyke. It's also graduated. tough to project because we don't sure. know who's leaving, who's staying. Right, exactly. You know, but yes, to your to your point on quarterback, like yeah, Tyler. Let's just. I think Tyler's intention when he started this year is this is going to be his last year. Yeah. I wonder. I don't know. I'm curious on your take on this. Like, I wonder if for Tyler, if that is the best thing to do for his career long term, because. Yeah. He does technically have one more year of eligibility after this year. And you look at this year's quarterback 
you know, the potential quarterback draft class of what's it going to be 2024, the NFL draft class. It is a loaded group. And look, there's no doubt that like Tyler right now through these first four games is playing very well. And if he continues to play like this, he's definitely going to rise up draft boards. But right now he's still kind of viewed in that like 15 to 20 range of quarterback rankings for next year's draft class. And I think that's fair, right? Like he still has to show right more this year. And, and frankly, I think he, he has to produce and win, um, which I think is on the table this year, but he has to go do it. But you look at like the potential first round quarterbacks, you go Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michigan's JJ McCarthy, uh, Shador Sanders, Michael Penix, Quinn Ewers, I think has a chance to be a first round pick. Um, and then you got others too, that I think, you know, second to fourth round guys like, uh, Jaden Daniels. I think Jordan Travis is going to be picked in that range. If, you know, Riley Leonard, if he, you know, decides he wants to go after this year, he could do that. Bo Nix, there's Dylan Gabriel, Sam Hartman, Devin Leary, Cam Ward, Cam Rising, Michael Pratt, Spencer Rattler, KJ Jefferson. So there's a ton of good college quarterbacks that right now NFL draft evaluators rank ahead of Tyler. Will that be the case at the end of the season? That's up to Tyler to keep rising up those boards. But to me, like this is just my opinion right now. I think Tyler, if he left this year, he's going to be selected somewhere in the fifth to seventh round. I would argue it would be best for Tyler's development to still come back one more year because you cannot replace those in-game reps. Once you're, if you're selected in the fifth to seventh round, your in-game reps are non-existent. You're probably just going to get them in preseason, unless the starting quarterback ahead of you, of course, gets hurt and you're elevated because of that. I think there's a lot of benefit to college quarterbacks that aren't being selected in the first round and probably even in the second round to come back, get those in-game reps try and rise up draft boards then too because you know theoretically you should be getting better as well um and so i think tyler would benefit from that again i don't think he's has any intention of doing that could that change i don't know but and also too just honestly like from a monetary reason fifth round picks make about seven and a hundred 750,000 per year. You know, I think Tyler, if, if he wanted to come back for another year, could probably double that in one year uh, for that one year. Um, now, if you're a good fifth round pick and you're in the NFL for multiple years, you make more money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's just me talking. I don't know. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it, Gabby. Just, Cause yeah, I mean, I, I just think the NIL thing kind of changes the game, right? Like, I think it's kind of like what you're saying. Like, he could probably, I mean, he will, uh, I would imagine, if he's if he's going to get drafted. The numbers we hear, where... it'd be like 1.5 million-ish if he came back. Yeah, and uh, and I think if, if you're Miami, do you bat your eye at that? If it means, like, Shannon Dawson stays around. people. Yeah, like I feel like it benefits like Miami, like Both just sides. from a, a yeah. stability standpoint and all those things. Again, and and my whole trouble with that is kind of like what you're saying. Like, is that the plan? Is that what he's gonna do? He, I mean, you're seeing all like the 
you know, PFF and all oh, how he's the highest graded this and that. And I think, you know, if you're his people, you're kind of encouraging, like you're kind of like, you have to be thinking like, okay, we're, we're building his draft stock. We'll see what the reality reality of that is. Yeah. There's but a like, lot of ways to go for him. Sure. But I, I even think of a guy, like you mentioned his name, like Bo Nix, like Bo Nix probably could have gone pro last year, but I think it was smarter for him to come back to school and do it again. And look how Oregon is kind of like, look how much like Bo Nix returning to school. Jaden Daniels. Yeah. I mean, Michael like, Penix. All these guys. I mean, these guys are just like taking. And I think if I think if Tyler and I comes back in 2024, I mean, I think Miami's a pre again. We'll see how the rest of the season goes, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. assuming it kind of goes on this trajectory and not saying that Miami's going to win 11 games or whatever, but Miami's going to have Miami's going to be a good team for the rest of the year. Most likely, assuming everyone stays healthy, like Miami will be considered, I think, a top tier team, like maybe a top 15 team, let's say, go, going into uh, that 2024 season. And I think you have an opportunity to just elevate, like really, really just elevate the program. And again, I, I think what quarterbacks... Kind of like Jordan think, Travis and Florida State, right? Yeah, like and I think what they cor- did last year. Right, and I think with quarterbacks, like, I don't know if there's like even a rush because I like, what, Tyler, Bikes, Tyler Van Dyke's like, what, like 21 or 22 years old? Like, I mean, it's not like there's a, there shouldn't be like a rush to get into the league. Like, I think if you can just continue to I think it's at, game and, reps at that position, right? At that position. Yeah. Game and reps. I, look, Unless and I you're a first round pick, then go. And if you stack two really good seasons like that, that 2022 season that like is obviously yeah. not good. Like I feel like Correct. you kind of that you just leave that so far in the rear view where Correct. like that that doesn't like haunt you as much. Cause I think if you I think if he goes after this year, you can kind of still kind of point back to that. But if he does, if he performs at a high level two years in a row, I think he elevates himself into potentially. And, I, and I'm not saying he's going to be a first round NFL draft pick. Maybe he will be. Who knows? But right. I think he can definitely be like a third and better range, though. For sure. If he comes back and performs sure. at a better level. No doubt. And I, I think. think yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And again, will, will that happen? Who knows? But. I think there's I don't think that's his intention at all. It, right. And I think we no no. And I think we've said that, we've written that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've kind of been just totally under the belief that this is Tyler Van Dyke's last year at Miami. Who knows? Right. I mean, who knows? This is going very well. And I think maybe uh just how with how well it's going, I think maybe you can kind of sit down and have that conversation maybe sometime later in the season and be like, hey, like, what are you kind of thinking? Like, we can run this back. And you know, again, you'll be compensated very uh, you right. know in a very healthy way and you know all this stuff and you know let let's let's elevate this thing um i think that would be huge for the program but we'll see i i think it would be very interesting i think i absolutely think there's an argument for tyler van dyke returning to school and making more for himself and and more for the program in every way short term and long term but yeah of course it would help the program i'm not even talking about helping the program like that goes without saying but i think it it would be good for him short term because the money would be better and Long term, because again, I still think we'll see how this season goes, right? Maybe he blows up and rises so much that he doesn't need to come back. And if that happens, he should go. He should absolutely go. I would argue if Tyler Van Dyke gets feedback that he is a even like a second or third round quarterback. 100%. I think he needs to go. Right. I think we're talking about like if he stays in that like fifth to day seventh th- right that yeah. day three if he gets day three feedback like i think he and i think to. there's a decision i think there you know i think there's a case like you're saying a case to, to coming back and improving your long-term draft stock and nfl potential along with short-term monetary value other positions too i think that fall into this category is like center you know yeah i think it's it's Offensive fair to assume line. matt lee leaves 
Uh, he, I think technically he still has another year too. Um, I will admit Gabby, like, again, it's very small sample size and it's not against great teams, but there might be something to Ryan Rodriguez. Um, he, he's, he's performed pretty well in the small sample size that he's gotten in there. But to me, like I'm looking at transfer portal positions. I think they're going to have to hammer D line. Yeah. Like D- I, think, I think D tackle is going to, I think from now to the end too. of time. Yeah. I mean, it's I just Harvey and the Mesador gone yeah. probably. Uh, and then, yeah, D tackle, you just got to keep elevating that position yeah. group. I think they will always, I think they'll, they will like my, I don't know if it's hot takey, but I think like every cycle they're going to go after a defensive tackle. Like they're always going to go after yeah. defensive tackles. Cause I think they just think it's so important. Right. It's kind of like running back. Like you just need a lot of those guys. You yeah. need a lot of D tackles. You need a lot of running backs that can get the job done. And then safety, you know, I think you could argue two safeties, but yeah. I think definitely one safety. Have to get a safety, it. definitely. Um, and then, you know, maybe a corner. It's A lot of this, too, depends on, like, what we were talking about previously with high school signees. Like, if you land some of those premier guys, maybe you don't have to take a portal. But um, anyways, it's it's interesting. Um, that's where I would put it, though, in terms of the, the positions of need that Miami will probably need to address in the portal. I think too, they're, they're kind of at the spot too, where they, they still got to improve the depth at a lot of places. For sure. Uh, I think they're going to go after a ton of positions. Like, I don't, I don't know if right. there's going to be a position where they're not going to be okay with like, where they're going to be like, okay, we're good. Like, I think they're going to take portal guys at every spot. It's just how many, like, which ones are they going to like really how try to get our depth guys and how right. many are starters. Yeah, right? exactly. I think starter level, they're probably like, we're talking, I think it's some of the positions we're talking defensive tackle, safety, Right. Uh, potentially quarterback, like those types. Right. Wide, wide receiver, I think is could be. I think there's an argument for wide we'll receiver see. too. Yeah, we'll yeah. see who leaves. Um, but yeah, good question. UMH34 asks, where does Miami stack up its physical play compared to the top teams around the country? So, for me, right, like I try and watch a lot of games. You know, it was good for the bye week. I, I was able to watch a lot of games. Uh, you know during Miami game days, really it's just a situation where for the most part, I can only watch Miami. That's just the reality of the job. Um, But just the way I feel about, I I will say I'm a little more familiar with the ACC than like the national in terms of watching things in detail like this. But in the ACC to me, Gabby, I think Miami has the best offensive line, the most physically imposing offensive line in the conference. When you're talking about like body types, uh, the edge they play with and the technique they're they're playing with right now. Uh, I think within the conference, there, there's a little bit of a drop off to like who might be second best on the offensive line in terms of physicality. But I do think FSU is there. I think they're in the mix for that second spot. I would probably put them there, honestly. And and, and I think Duke is there too. Duke's kind of good. A sneaky, probably to most people, a sneaky physical team. Yeah, and they didn't even have their be- their best guy was out against Clemson too, right? Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, they, they're they're to me, Gabby. They're like if you're talking offense and defense, they're like a top three physicality team in the ACC right now. Um, I would also put Louisville there. I think they're fairly physical on the offensive line too, nationally. I think you're talking about teams like I think Michigan's kind of the standard 
in terms of both sides of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Or- Oregon's offensive line is physical. So good. Yeah. Georgia. Really good. Oregon State. I think Ohio State, UCLA, yeah. Kentucky. Texas like, is really good up front too. Yep. Yep. So I I think Miami is like very good offensive line. I think Michigan is probably Joe Moore Ward category. Yeah, but Miami's think, in the mix. Yeah. I think Miami's definitely up there. I think that Oregon offensive line is really good. They are. They are. They are. And they've gotten dudes that are like post Mario Cristobal. Like I think they've just established like a good offensive line culture there. That transfer that they got from Rhode Island, the uh, Johnny Cornelius, I think his name is, is like mm-hmm. I think he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. And then when we're talking about defensive line or just physicality of a defense, I do think Miami is much improved year over year, particularly in the back seven with their physicality. So linebackers and secondary, they're tackling much better, knockback much better on on tackles. But up front, I would still probably put, like to me, Clemson's a different level still, like with their front seven physicality. Honestly, too, I probably would put Florida State I'd give them the edge over Miami in terms of front seven physicality. I think Miami's secondary tackles better than Florida State's secondary right now. So that might make it even as a whole. Um, and, and look, during the bye week, I nerded out and watched that Clemson and FSU game again on like the all 22. And I, I will admit that Braden Fisk is really, really impressive as a defensive yeah, really tackle good. that was just getting after that Clemson offensive line, which is not their the Clemson offensive line, truthfully, is not that great. No, it's not. Um, but Fisk was just kind of imposing his will. He was very impressive. And of course, we know Jared Verse plays with physicality and their linebackers will smack you too. Um so defensively, like in the conference, I would still give the edge to Clemson. I think NC State, their defense plays with an edge. Duke, we've talked about, they play with good physicality on defense as well. And I think Louisville too. Louisville does play some with with some pretty good physicality. Nationally on the defensive side, I still think like Michigan, definitely a physical team. Oklahoma is, is more physical this year than they were last year. Iowa, I think you still got to put Alabama there, even though they're they're still kind of figuring things out. Kentucky, I think, is a physical defense. Oh, yeah. Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State. So to me, if we're talking about just physicality team, I still think like, like to me, Michigan is the standard for that right now. So um, in terms of the ACC, if we're talking physicality of a team, I think you got to go Miami, FSU, Duke are kind of the top three. Uh, Clemson's up there too, but their offensive line kind of is why they're not up there with those other three. I think Louisville's up there and NC State's up there as well. So I don't know if you have any opinions on that, Gabby. Yeah, no, not much else other than kind of like what you touched on. I mean, all those, all those guys, I still like defense that defense, like I agree that the defensive like front seven wise, I still think like, I still think Clemson's a really good team. I don't know. I mean, obviously they've lost two games, but like, I still think Clemson is like going to be as tough as an out uh, for any, as as anyone is really good. It's very, very, very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Clemson defensive, that's that defensive front to me is still like, again, like kind of like what you said, like the standard, uh, you know, especially in the conference. 
Their offensive line though is not not good. It's not. It's and not. They've like never that had like an elite offensive line, you know, during this run of being good. But this offensive line is like very average to me. It's particularly one of the guards. I forget which. I forget if his right or left, but he was just like bad, bad, like so bad against FSU. Um. Anyways, Mitri nine zero one six asks. From the three-star players currently committed, other than Cameron Pruitt, who has the higher potential of becoming a four-star? Yeah, so, I mean, the Cameron Pruitt things, and I mean, we at, at 24-7, we have Cameron Pruitt as a four-star, so, like, I don't really know. I mean, I right. think Cameron Pruitt, again, it depends what you're looking at, which, again, I think either side is, is totally fine. Um, I mean, I think the first name that popped up into my mind when I saw this question was Kavion Broussard. Uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a long... Uh, athletic uh, tackle body who has added a ton of weight uh, is still, I think very lean and again, but he's just so big. And like, I just feel like he's kind of just like textbook, like what they're looking for. And in three years, we're going to be like, this is like one of the guys who's a dude on the offensive line. Like, I think he's that type. Um, so I, I mean, I still think he, I still think he has a long way to go. And is he going to get to that fourth star? Like, I, I feel think like, his ranking is fair right now. Right. Now. I think it's good where it is right now. But I just don't know. I don't see anyone else who I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Like, I really think that that's a that's a four star prospect. Uh, and I think one who maybe has an argument, uh, you know, again, potentially if I, I have to watch what his senior season has kind of looked like. Uh, but I think he has a chance and I look at everyone else and I don't really see one where I'm like, yeah, definitely four star guy. And I, I think the fans will have a take on that, but I just don't agree. So, um, David, I'm curious sure. what you think. I mean, I, I honestly, I'm kind of in line. And look, when I say, I I think there are guys that are three stars that are committed that I could still see them blossoming into productive starters right. at Miami. So I think that can be true. Like just because you're a three star doesn't mean you're a bad player. Right. We're not talking about bad football players at all. Like none of these guys are bad football players. And so, you know, I agree with Broussard. I, I don't have an issue with where he's ranked right now at, at all. all no. So mm. he needs like, let's see how the senior tape looks, et cetera. But like, I think in turn, like if we're talking and again, I think these guys are fine being rated three stars. So I don't have an issue with where they're rated now, but if we're talking about like three stars that I could see being starters in their third, fourth, fifth year at Miami, I think like a Derek Plaz could be that guy. I sure. think an Isaiah Thomas could potentially be that guy. I I think like a Vince Shavers could be that guy too at linebacker. So I think those would, I would bring those to the table as like good three stars. Me personally, I think they're fine as three stars. Um, so yeah, that's how I would couch it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Kane D-Man 305 asks, in terms of our coordinators, any insight into how long you could see Lance Gidry and Shannon Dawson staying in Miami? Or is this one of those situations where these guys might want to ride out the coordinator life down here for a few years? If our current trend continues and both Dawson and Gidry keep producing these awesome concepts and showing player progression, it's hard to to think someone won't come calling sooner than later. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. It's funny. I feel like we've kind of been talking about this like ourselves a little bit. Um, look, I, for, first of all, I want to say, I think both guys right now are, 
like I'm not worried about like a head coaching thing or anything like that. Um, right and again, now, I'm no. Th- yeah, exactly. Right now, uh, I think that I don't think either of these guys are like head coaches where like it's going to be a Rhett Lashley situation where they take a job. Honestly, a, I don't think Gidry is interested. In yeah, he doesn't seem again. he doesn't seem like, again, just to me. And I, I don't mean this in a negative or like insulting way, but he just doesn't seem like the head coaching type to me. Like, I feel well, like I don't he's, think he, he's already done it. And I think he's good with just being a great D.C. Yeah. Yeah. And I look and I think there's something to, you know, I, I do think that Gidry and these guys have had a relationship for a long time. Like I kind of go back to the summer months when we were at FIU for that camp and Miami sent the whole staff out there and Mirabal and Gidry were having a conversation like in front of me, basically about like recounting their Western Kentucky versus uh FIU matchup. I mean, these guys go way right. back. Like these guys have like real like relationships. This isn't like a, not a name that they hired. So I think that they're, I think Gidry likes these guys and wants to stay around. And again, I'm not saying that he would leave or anything like that, but you know, I think you always have to be cautious about these kind of rising defensive coordinator names. Um, and you have to kind of look around and see what else is going on just around the country. And I don't know. I think like if if there's an opening at a school like LSU at D.C., like, I mean, truthfully, like my like, you know, he's from he's from Louisiana. Like, I feel like my like I'm going to be I'm going to sweat that one out. Like, you know, like I'm going to personally feel like that could be a situation where, you know, is Gidry not going to give LSU a look if they come calling like I would be I would be surprised if he didn't um so let's see I mean I think let, let's kind of see where it goes but look I think uh, Mario gave him Mario Cristobal gave him an opportunity to kind of come up to the power five ranks uh, I think he right. I, I think they both for, I think they both love it down here I think they both like Miami a lot and I think they both see that Miami could be a place where they could really just continue to elevate themselves and the program and you know, again, I think they're both doing a really good job. And again, I think for, you know, the con, I think when Mario went and got these guys, I think there was a whole continuity aspect to it. Like, Hey, we need guys who are going to be around for and that's a few years. Out. And it, yeah. And, and, and like in terms as, of their relationships, they all get along, right. which exactly. was not the case it's last year. Absolutely not the case. I mean, there was people that were like miserable going to work last year and everyone I think is just loving the way that it's everything's going right now. And again, the people in the building, it's been night and day different. So I'm optimistic that these guys will stick around. Let's see for how long, I don't know, but I think that there will be at least, at least a couple years of continuity and uh, you know, Miami being able to retain and hold on to both coordinators. But look, I mean, I think they're going to have to come back to, especially if they both continue to do what they're doing. I think Miami's Correct. absolutely going to have to take care of them financially, which I'm sure people are going to be happy to do, uh, you yes. know, as long as there are results. Uh, but I, again, I think Miami's going to make it so that, you know, they are, they are taken care of as long as they kind of stick around. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. If I am Miami, I'm trying to make Lance Gidry the Brent Venables of Miami, if that makes sense. Like what Brent Venables was at Clemson, try and make Lance Gidry that for Miami. So, you know, again, personally, I don't know if he has any interest in being a head coach again. I don't think that's a path he wants to go down. But I agree with you. Like what I would be watching out for with with Lance Gidry is SEC defensive coordinator jobs. Um, And you mentioned one LSU. Texas A&M might be figuring things out um, defensively right now with DJ Durkin, but that's another one I would be keeping an eye on. Uh, And you look at what the top 10 defensive coordinators get paid. What would it take from a monetary standpoint to keep a Lance Guidry? Here's what the top 10 coordinators, where they are and what they're getting paid. Jim Knowles, Ohio State, 1.9 million. 
Pete Golding, Ole Miss, $1.9 million. Glenn Schumann, Georgia, $1.9 million. Kevin Steele, Alabama, $1.9 million. My goodness. Matt House, LSU, $1.9 million. Pete Kwiatkowski, Texas, $1.7 million. Tosh Lapoy of Oregon, $1.7 million. Tim Banks of Tennessee, $1.5. DJ Durkin, $1.5. Brad White, Kentucky, $1.5. So I think to retain a Lance Gidry, you're going to have to play, pay something in that range, especially if, like you're saying, LSU does come calling. Um, so that's my stance on Gidry in terms of Dawson. I could see him being on like a Rhett Lashley type trajectory. You know, Rhett was here, what, two years, if I have it right. So I don't know if it's that quick, but maybe like three years. If if Dawson wants to stick around Miami for three years and he has success, I could see him being a head coach at like a group of five school. To me, he kind of fits that like group of five air raid ball coach type of vibe, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if he's like a power five head coach. Would you agree with that? Just personality-wise. Yeah, personality yeah. Wise. yeah no, no, personality. I, for sure. No, I think he would be a, a a great, like, again, I think his personality and his whole, like, deal, he, awesome dude, but, like, he, I think he's a group, like, I think he'd be an awesome, like, like a Rhett Lashley type, like a program like that, where it's just, like, we're going to be a fun offense and we're going to score yeah. points. We'll probably, like, we'll see how many, I don't know if you're playing for national titles, but I think he could be, a, you know, a fun, you know, a, a fun place to go play if you're a skill position. Right. And, you know, on the flip side of that, right, I do think like you, he could make a lot more money at Miami being a successful offensive coordinator than like right. a head coach at Southern Miss. Right. Yeah. Just as, as an example. Jason Candle type. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I do think like the, the, the question is spot on in terms of I do think it's important for Mario Cristobal and Miami at this stage of the program to have two or three years of stability. Um, but I will say at the end of the day there, you know, to some extent you do want your coordinators to have success and the opportunity to leave ideally for head coaching jobs, not quote unquote lateral moves. So, because obviously that means they've done a good job and um, people want them. So, you know, my Mario Cristobal is the type of head coach that needs his coordinators to be on point because he's not a guy that's going to call plays on offense or defense. He's in that kind of like Dabo Swinney, Urban Meyer mold of a head coach. Uh, and, you know, in terms of Dabo, we're seeing how things are kind of slipping when his staff started getting picked apart here a couple years ago. So, to me, Gabby, I do think like running it back with these coordinator with this coordinator duo needs to be a priority this offseason. So definitely. And like you were saying, if the results are there, I would think that would be the case. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. 
And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561-573-4661. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation. And Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305. 393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Benjay Tuthre asks, who on the current roster can be the best long-term NFL player? You want to take that one? You can hit it first. So... I mean, uh, this is interesting because I, I think the easy answer, but it's kind of like a cop out. But the easy answer because you're projecting a young player that's right. good. You know, I think you go Ruben Bain. I think you go Francis Maui Noah. Um, yeah. Francis I, is who I thought of. Like if we're talking older guys, I think you could, you know, the veteran O lineman. So I do think Inez Cooper has an NFL future, but he's still a sophomore. But like. I could see like Jalen Rivers having like a 10 year career right. as an NFL guard. 100%. You know? I think Javian Cohen, same. I think For Matt sure. Lee could have a nice long NFL career. So that's kind of where I would go with, with answering this question. You would go Francis? Yeah, I, I was thinking Francis, but I, I was, I thought about that whole offensive line because I think those guys, I think Miami has again pros on that offensive line. So I thought about Cohen. Um, I didn't think about Rivers, but yeah, Rivers makes sense. I think Lee, like, I think Matt Lee has the makings of a guy who's like, we're going to snap our fingers and we're like, he's still going to be like snapping the football in the NFL in like 10 years, you know, like I could see him being that type of dude. Um, So, I mean, Matt Lee, I think definitely. And then, I mean, let's see how, like, how, like, I think Cam Kitchens could be a a good NFL player. Um, I think he has a chance. Yeah. And and, yeah, we're talking about longevity here. And so that's where the question is interesting. Yeah. Um I, I think I think it could be for I mean Francis to me I think is a guy who's right who probably is gonna like sure fire bet like I think he has a chance to be special in his NFL right. career. Uh kind of building off that question, J Black three three four asks with how many freshmen we've played this year, do you see any of them becoming freshman all Americans? I think two guys are locks. Yeah, I think Francis is a lock, and I think Ruben Bain's a lock. Um, right. 
Ruben is grading out, by the way. I mean, we already know this, like the eye test backs this up, but like he is grading out as the best defensive, you know, best freshman defensive lineman in the country, according to pro football focus, he has something like an 88.2 grade on the season, which is like like, insane for like a really good veteran. Yeah. Defensive lineman. He's legitimately a good defensive lineman. Like you don't have to qualify it as like, he's good for a freshman. He's just straight up good. Uh, Maui Noah is good for a freshman and I think he's trending in the right way. And he's likely going to be a freshman of offensive lineman, all American. Uh, I looked at like Mark Fletcher and like running back stats. He's got some work to do there in terms of production. Well, cause there's uh, that kid at Minnesota's, I think that kid right. at Minnesota's Darius Taylor kid. I think he's the highest graded true freshman on PFF. And I think Ruben's number two, like of all true freshmen, but that Minnesota, okay. that Minnesota running back, uh Darius Taylor, yes. I believe his name is, is kind of like probably be, a lot to be the the yeah. freshman all of uh, true freshman all American running back. Right. But I do think like I do think Mark Fletcher was maybe top 15-ish. Yeah. Um in, in rushing yards for uh for freshman running backs. So um I think it's two freshman all Americans, which is impressive. Both line of scrimmage guys, you know Mario Cristobal will love that. Last question comes from J1711, who gives us kind of a hypothetical over-under in terms of Which we recruiting. love here. Yeah, yeah. We love if Miami wins 10 games this season, over-under seventh-ranked recruiting class in 2024. So first off, let's clarify. If you're over seventh-ranked, what does that mean? What do you mean? If you're over seventh-ranked... So over under for seventh ranked. If you're over, is that one through six or is that, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. I would. I, all right. Yeah. Okay. So we'll say like I'm over would be smart. better. No, I yes. think this is a. I think because <laughs> I think the wording. So let's clarify. If we go over, that means we. I think we think we're they're going to be better than seventh under okay. seventh or below. Okay. So you want to go? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think if Miami win 10 game, ten games, I would probably take the over. Like, I think that they would be, I think that Miami will, I think a lot will have to change and there would obviously be a lot of figuring out to do. But I think if Miami like legitimately goes on to win 10 regular season games, like I think that they're going to be able to, I think it's going to be an extremely, extremely interesting November and December, uh, late November and December. And I think that they are going to find a way to get into that range. If they're not already like close at that point, um, I think it would be, I think when it's time to, I think when it kind of gets that crunch time, I think that's when Miami like really, really kind of elevates that recruiting stuff. And uh, I think that they'll find a way to kind of get into that. basically cr- what I'm saying is they could crack, crack that top six. I would take the under just because, okay. just because it's about math and look, I agree. Like, I think they're going to land some guys that, you know, maybe we don't see coming right now or just you know, some incredible flips. But if you just look at the straight up math, it takes you flipping a guy like a Jeremiah Smith, like an Ellis Robinson. Like you almost can't do it unless you have those two guys in your class. And those are two of the top three players in the country. Yeah. So that alone makes it tough for me. Um, But if, what if they get Aiden Breland, how close would they be? Like if they get Aiden, Aiden Breland, and a couple of these other guys, like how much closer does that push it? I would have to do the class calculator. That would definitely help too. So if you if you like switched out 
a Jeremiah or so I think you got to land two more five stars. Yeah, you got to land a couple guys. Nikar would help, of course. Xavier Mincy would help, of course. Yeah. Again, it's just about the math. There's no doubt that that the class would be big time, and I say under, but within you know, there's a caveat there with like I think it's a top ten class, so I'm I'm saying eight, nine, ten, and maybe it's seven, right? So maybe the number would be seventh. Um, it's just hard for me to see the math to get, you know, to make that type of leap. Yeah. Um, I just did it quickly. If they were to add Breland, Nykar and Xavier Mincy, they'd be at 279, which would put them at number six right now. And then it, again, I think it would what still was take it last more. year? What was it last year? What is 279? Cause I think last year, yeah. Miami's number was like 282. But still, I, I don't think that would be the, uh, what I'm saying is that I think you'd put yourself in a place where by December you are in a, so 279 last year would put you at nine. Right. So I think it I'm would saying be, like getting into to six, you got to start landing some big yeah, time yeah, guys, sure. like to for make sure. those huge. Miami had, Miami, Miami had 284.64 last year when, uh when they signed the number seven class in the country. Right. Right. So I, I I think it'll be, it's there, but the math makes it really hard. And then the other part of this question is, if they win ten games, over under fifth rank recruiting class for the twenty twenty five cycle, so the next year on Labor Day, so going into the season, I think that would definitely happen. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where again I think that's where they would be even. I think that's where they're going to be better, even be- better positioned, like going into 2025. I think they're going to be able to, if they win 10 games, I think they would especially uh, get rolling in 25 where it would be like, yeah, like these, like they're like, I think that would be the year where we would really see the fruits of what a successful season is because they would still take like that same really aggressive summer approach, getting dudes, but except you would have a product. It's like, imagine the summer of official visits that we just had, that we just saw and everything they kind of did. Yeah. Cause it's going to be the same way next year. But it's co- but yeah, but you're coming off yeah. a ten win season rather than a five and seven season, and still right. you got pretty close with a lot of those guys. So yeah, I would definitely put Miami in like that top five range going into Labor Day of of 2024. All right, we're gonna out of here on that. Appreciate everyone for listening. We will return on Thursday with a little Georgia Tech preview podcast. So till next time, everybody, take care. <laughs>